Welcome to the second to last episode of Grounded in Greek's inaugural season. This episode features Amber Theo Harris. Currently, she's the on-air talent for SiriusXM, but has worked as on-air talent for Fox Sports and the NFL and is an Emmy award-winning sportscaster. She's an executive producer of HBO's The Weight of Gold and is VP of Original Programming slash CCO for the Win Quick app and is an adjunct professor at USC Annenberg School of Journalism. I will say it's hard not to want to get off the couch after listening to her. After walking away from this interview, besides all the similarities we shared, which I'll get into in a sec, What I especially liked about this discussion was that it touched upon our moms who are not Greek and how strong they are, especially marrying into such a rich culture. They come from strong families themselves and are very strong themselves and balance letting their husbands and their kids embrace and celebrate their Greek heritage and traditions and respect that. Our moms also had mother-in-laws that so deeply cared about, you know, Greek roots. And I thought Amber brought up something so true. Greeks can be the most inclusive, exclusive group. Inclusive for celebrations and gatherings, but in other ways, not so much. Like maybe in not marrying Greeks. They're a very proud people. My mom, who is an amazing party planner and event coordinator, was in charge of fashion shows at our Greek church in Chicago. Huge events. But she felt challenged by the other women because she wasn't Greek. She was a part of the Greek Orthodox Church, but didn't have those roots in Greece. And on another note, my aunt, who is Greek, is blonde like me, and some Greek women at a gathering thought she wasn't Greek. They spoke Greek, making some maybe judgy comments, thinking she wouldn't understand. But oh, she did. And she actually played the long game, not letting them know for months after. Gold. Anyway, back to more similarities Amber and I shared. We're both part Greek with non-Greek husbands. We legally took our husbands' names. As you know, mine is Morgan. But we appreciate our Greek heritage and the history behind our names. Her grandmother is from the Kalamata region, and as you know, mine is from Kalamata. She grew up with you know, the East Coast Greek community, as did I. Okay, I'll stop and let you get to listening. But it's just nice finding someone who is not 100% Greek, but still values her roots and embraces them and celebrates them. And like I touched upon before, you know, Greeks are very proud and, you know, there have been times where maybe I've felt like I, I'm not, you know, as Greek as others around me, but, you know, really I think it's just important to celebrate where you come from, no matter if you're 25%, 50%, 100% Greek or whatever you are. So, yeah, I just especially loved this interview. I hope you enjoy.
Amber, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time because I know you're super busy. But the first thing I wanted to ask that I ask everyone is, could you just share a little bit about where your family is from in Greece? Well, thanks for having me, Bridget. I think it's really cool that you're doing something to promote Greek Americans. I'm obviously a big fan of Greek Americans. (laughs) Um, No, my family is uh, from two very different regions of Greece. My grandmother is from Filatra, which is in the Peloponnese Peninsula in the Kalamata region. And my grandfather is from way up north, almost on the Albanian border. Um, in a from a village called Vogatsiko. It's about eight miles outside of Castoria. Most people know Castoria because of the lake and the mountains, and it's a it's a resort destination. So that's where my grandparents are from. But I still have uh, cousins that live in Athens and in Thessaloniki. So we kind of have Greece covered. Yeah, I should say. So are both your parents Greek? No, my mother is of Danish descent. My grandfather came, or my great grandmother came here from Denmark. And um, my mom is American, like back to the 1700s on her other side. And then my dad is is 100% Greek. Both of his parents are Greek. Okay. Yeah, same situation. My mom is Irish German. My dad is 100% Greek. So what mm-hmm. was that like growing up between the two? Were there any contentions yeah. or? Yeah, know, I do think so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my parents are still married. They've been married for you know, 40 plus years. But I think it was hard for my mom coming in to a family that was so Greek. I mean, super, you know, we know Greeks can be a little exclusive. They're they're very inclusive when it comes to a party or coming over to their house or we love everybody. But when you're marrying into the family, I think they would prefer, this is the old times, Uh, prefer, you know, you to marry Greek. And my mother wasn't that. And not only was she not that, she was everything opposite of that. She was, she wasn't going to stay home and have babies and clean the house and serve the man in the traditional old school Greek way. She was strong and went to college and had a career. And, um, you know, I think it was, you know, I saw the tension, you know, I, I don't think I think because perhaps my grandmother, my grandfather was not around, he passed away early, but my grandmother was not very nice to her early. So I don't think they ever had that connection. So it always caused contention around the holidays or I just, I loved Greek Easter. I loved the whole culture and and my mom never really was into it. She supported us being into it. So I think there was a little bit of like a cultural barrier at times between my parents but they loved each other. And, you know, I feel very lucky to grow up kind of with, with both sides. I, I had very, very American things about my life and then very, very Greek things about my life. Mm-hmm. The parallels are uncanny, I guess you could say the same <laughs> thing. Like my dad's mom, my, my yaya was very deep in her Greek roots and faith. So having her son get married in the Greek Orthodox Church meant a lot to her. Well, you had to convert back then to yep. get married. At least now you can be Christian, At least, you know, any denomination of Christian and get married in the Greek church. But back then you had to convert. My mom never did. So my parents did not get married in the Greek church, which is another big issue. So, <laughs> Is there anything you took from that background that you are applying to your relationship today? Because I understand you have a husband and kids Mm -hmm. and are there any traditions that you're taking from growing up? Well, we're getting ready for big Greek Easter celebration at my house. Moving out to California, 
I didn't have the Greek community that I had growing up in Maryland that I was always used to. I feel like the Greek community is a little larger in cities like Baltimore and New York and Chicago than they are in Los Angeles. I mean, we're, we're, we're here, but it's just not the same. Um, and so I felt when I first moved out here 10 years ago, I just, I didn't have that support. So I was like, okay, well, even if I don't have this big community of people that are like me, I'm, I can bring my culture to people that have never experienced it. So my friends out here, I started doing, you know, Greek Easter the way that my family did it. And a lot of them had never been to a Greek Easter celebration. And now it's, you know, the can't miss event of the neighborhood <laughs> because they love the food. They love the music. You know, I really want my, the kids love the red eggs. I wanted my children to have some of the traditions. Now my kids are only a quarter Greek because my husband's not Greek at all, but they do understand that their papu is Greek and that this is part of who they are. And I think they're, they're proud of that. And you know, they'll tell people, I'll hear them tell people that, you know, I'm part Greek or do you want to come to my house and play the red egg game? So um, it's really cool to to pass some of that down. I, I feel I owe it to, you know, my grandparents and their parents who, you know, they all came here for a better life. And and I don't think they wanted to lose their Greekness. I just think they wanted to, to have a better life and live in America. So I, I try to give that to my kids. It's really sweet. My husband's not Greek either. Yeah. You get it. I think it's important to keep those things alive because looking back on my childhood, the red eggs or those feasts or, you know, the events at church were always the most fun. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is segueing more into your career, but I noticed that you still have um, what I am assuming is your maiden name, yes. Yo Harris, because that's Greek. And you mentioned you married someone who wasn't. So can you explain that reasoning? Is it, you know, just more that you were set in your career and everyone recognized that name? Yeah, partially. I was very well established by the time I got married. I I had been working for many years in television and that was my name on television. And I, you know, I just think how to say this. I added Buckler, which is my married name on legally, you know, so it's a hyphenated name legally. But I only did that after I had my second kid, just because I found things were very difficult, you know, (laughs) trying to get into his bank account, which was our bank account, you know, just stupid stuff was so, it was so ridiculous. I was like, so let me just add this to my ID. So, because as you like, moms are the managers of the house. So I was always doing all the, you know, all the stuff, the little stuff that we have to do um, that involves, you know, legal stuff or official names. And so I added it because of that. But to this day, it just, if I introduce myself as my husband's name, and I'll only do that when I'm at a, a children's event, you know, something for the kids, something for school, their sports teams, so that, that they know that I'm their mother. It feels funny. And I never, that's not my name. And I guess it's just because, I mean, I'm a feminist in a lot of ways. And <laughs> I just think, you know, that's, the, that's not my name. Why should I, why don't you take my name? How about that? There's much more tradition and pride in my name than his family. I mean, he's he's Ian Miller from My Big Fat Greek Wedding. He he has no cousins, no aunts, no uncles, <laughs> you know, like no big family. I'm just like, what? And here we have all these Theo Harris's. And um, yeah, I just I, I tell my daughters, I'm like, and, the, the, you know, they obviously have his name. And I'm like, you, you don't have to change your name. And when they say my name, they they say Amber Theo Harris. They'll tell people like my mom's Amber Theo Harris if they ask. So they get it. And I think it's good for them to see that you have a choice. If you want to change it, go ahead. And if you don't, it's totally fine to keep your name too. Cute. Yeah. It's also a pain in the ass to change it. So 
It is a pain. Might as well keep it. Because I, legally I took my husband's name, but Scobus, it has that tradition to it. No yeah. one has it, but now I have two first names. You know what they say, like never trust someone two first names. And I agree. <laughs> I am, you know. That's funny. In a great place here. But anyway, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Continuing with the transition to the career, I saw on your LinkedIn, you have something that I love. And I'm just going to say it out. You already probably know what, what this is, but I'm just going to say no it idea, out. I have no idea, to be honest. Right okay, <laughs> well, waiting. you probably know when I start saying it. So you have Emmy award-winning sports journalist slash filmmaker slash creative slash producer slash writer slash tech executive slash storyteller slash professor. Stay tuned. More slashes to come. <laughs> I love that. I want to use that somehow. But I was just curious... Would you say anything in particular was instilled in you by your family or growing up, or this is just in Amber that just instilled that drive in you to have all those slashes? We are our family, right? Like not many of us do what we do. That's completely opposite from the way that we were raised. That's, we are our family. And I would say it's both my mother and my father. It's not just my Greek side. My, I come from a very strong American family on my mom's side that I was very close to my grandparents and they were blue collar, hardworking. My mom was the first to go to college in her family. And she's the, she's the oldest of five children. I think it was both sides. Uh, My dad obviously got his work work ethic from his family, you know, came here, started a, a, a painting business and did that until my grandfather passed away. And my dad never was afraid to, you know, he worked a professional job for the government, but he would paint houses on the side if he needed extra money. Like there was always a side hustle. My mom would wait tables. She was a teacher, but she would wait tables if she had to, if we were short on money. Like there was never laziness. There was never, woe is me. I'm working really hard, but I'm not making enough money. They were like, all right, let's roll our sleeves up, get our hands dirty. And they were not afraid of work that, you know, some people feel like might be beneath them if they have a college degree or if, you know, they, um, and, and I love that about my parents and I'm the same way. Um, I'm not afraid to hustle, you know, jobs come and go in this business and big contracts come and go, and you need to be able to pivot and work for maybe what you think you're not worth. You know, (laughs) this is, this is way less than what I'm worth, but, um, you have to keep going forward and you have to work hard. And I think good things happen when you just are never afraid to accept jobs that come your way. Um, And I definitely got that from my parents. My sister's a hard worker. I think that's from both the American side and the Greek side. Right, right. And I know that people might recognize you or know you most from being a television host or sportscaster for NFL Network for over five years. But in that list of slashes, I guess I could say, <laughs> is there anything that you're really passionate a bit about now or something that you just want to share a little bit about in particular? Yeah. I mean, right now my filmmaking and writing is my main priority. Obviously I'm still broadcasting a ton. I've done it for, I mean, it's 23 years I've been on air at this point um, continuously. So I'm very blessed to do that. And I don't take that for granted, but once you've done it, I've done it at the highest level. I've been on Fox. I've been on NFL media. I've won awards. I've hosted uh, Monday night football. I've hosted Thursday night football. I've done 10 Super Bowls. I mean, there's not much more 
I can do. And writing has always been my true love. And um, once the film that I worked on as an executive producer, um, The Weight of Gold reached HBO, you know, that took me- several years to get that to see the light of day. And now I'm working on a bunch of other projects behind the scenes. But when I wake up in the morning, that's what drives me is the creative aspect and the 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 grind, which is hard. It's really hard to get these films off the ground, to get the funding, to get the buyer, to sell it, to find distribution. I mean, there's just so many aspects, the right producing partners, um, the right storytelling. Are you, are you doing right by the story? So I love that part of it. It's more difficult than anything I've ever done. And that's people would think, wow, like, you know, becoming a national broadcaster is pretty hard. And it was, and it took a lot of hard work, but Hollywood's a different beast, but I love doing what I'm doing with these projects outside of sports broadcasting. Is there things that you do when you wake up or throughout the day to just jot down your ideas or where do you think those are coming from? Yeah. I mean, I think any creative can identify with that process. It, it, sometimes it comes in waves and sometimes it doesn't come at all. And it's, it's frustrating and you've got to take time to sometimes let it come to you, which is very difficult (laughs) uh, rather than bang your head up against the wall. If you're facing some sort of issue with the creative process, but I do, I write, I mean, you should see the notes in my phone. I'll be at the grocery store and I'll think of something. My best ideas come to me in the middle of the night. And I always say, I think that's God speaking, or some people say it's the gut or the universe or whatever, but it's when you're quieter, you're like, you know, and I'll wake up and I'll think about something. Um, Maybe it's a story I'm already working on, but it'll be like something I didn't think about from that story. Or maybe it's a story that I've heard about that I've had on the back burner, but it's almost like a message like, this is the one you need to tell. You need, you're focusing on the wrong story. You need to pivot and do this other story. So I really am in tune to, you know, what I think is, is God speaking to me at times or, or guiding me. And like I said, people call that the universe, Buddha, their gut, whatever that is in your life. For me, it's, it's that. And sometimes it's in the shower. <laughs> um, it's the creative process never stops. You can't shut your brain off when you're a creative person. So I'll write it down and sometimes I'll forget and I'll go back and I'll see the notes. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. I need to expand on that. So I have, my computer is a black hole of (laughs) random writings that you would have, you'd be like, what were you doing? And it was just stream of consciousness. And then those become things. And I just get them out of my brain onto my, onto my screen. And then I revisit them. And then sometimes they become things. Sometimes I work on things for three years and they become nothing. And you have to accept that that's just, that's just the life of an artist. (laughs) Right. I can attest to the shower ideas for sure. It's it's when you quiet, that's what they say. When you quiet your brain, nothing to focus on. That's when, yeah, your ideas come. And so I know the way to gold, it's actually on my list. I I do want to watch that. I know that's related, that's, you know, related to sports. Are all your other ideas in that same realm or are you trying to expand beyond that? I mean, I think sports was a natural pivot, right? To go into long form storytelling uh, as a sports documentarian was a natural pivot. But no, to answer your question, I I have one film in the works that is is a sports documentary that I think has the potential to become a scripted film. But I'm working on a children's animated project that's in the music industry. It involves the music industry. So yeah, no, I'm not just stuck to sports. I mean, that's 
comfortable. And naturally that's where a lot of my stories emerge um, because I'm connected to that world. But I think there's, there's creativity everywhere. There's, there's a story everywhere and you can't just cut your mind off because you say, no, I'm a sports person. I don't think I'm just a sports person. I have a lot of other interests and I think I'm just a storyteller. So if a good story comes along, I'm going to tell the story. That's, that's as simple as it is. I love that. I guess speaking of interests, kind of segueing a little bit, I saw on your Instagram that you are a maker of tzatziki sauce. So is another interest cooking or why is your tzatziki sauce good? <laughs> you can see I really struggle with these profiles on social media. <laughs> so I just tend to be tongue in cheek because I think it's so funny when people are so serious about their profiles. They're like, I do this and then I'm so great. And I'm just like, oh, I don't even know what to write. So yes, I put, um, I think I put like crab eater one time. I don't even know. So yes, the tzatziki sauce is important to me because it's a recipe that I got from my great aunt in Greece, uh, my great aunts, I should say. And you know, one of them's no longer with us. And it was great that the last time I saw her was in 2014. And I took the time to learn it and, and ask, you know, Greeks don't have a recipe. So I just kind of watched and I brought it back to the United States. And my tzatziki sauce is very well known for anybody that's had it. People have asked for the recipe and I just don't have it. It's I don't have it. It's it's sight, it's taste, but I, I do like to cook a lot. And I wish I had more time. I just don't, I, I cook probably four times a week, but I'm not making these huge Greek meals. I'll do it on Easter. And I'll do it a couple of times throughout the year. Um, but my kids will have souflaki probably once a week. You know, uh, I don't always make the tzatziki sauce, but um, they love gyro meat, of course, because little kids like like basically like hot dogs, you know, <laughs> so the gyro meat is the same. It's great. Um, yeah. And they they like they like Greek food in that sense. So I feel like I've done my job and passing it down to them. That's great. I love tzatziki sauce and I'm always down for new recipes. But yeah, I agree. It's it. I don't have any recipes written down either. Yeah. yeah. And that's the beauty of it. That's what makes it so special. It's like, mm -hmm. if you don't get it before that person dies, then you don't have it. And mm -hmm. um, I think that anybody that comes from an immigrant family or, you know, any family, I mean, there's people that I know that they, they have Southern roots, you know, and they, they've learned how to make collard greens or some of the Southern dishes, the fried chicken, you know, from their, from their grandparents. And whatever region you're from or whatever's important to you, the food that you grew up eating, ask the older people how they do it before it's too late. Yeah, it's special. This is the last question I have for you <laughs> that I like to ask everyone is, what do you think uh, grounded you and who you are today? And if you want to take the sports spin, because I know we didn't talk a lot about sports, you want to talk about something completely different. Just curious, what do you think has grounded you the most in who you are? I mean, 100% my parents. They were very humble people. They were very hardworking. They are. They're still around. <laughs> I'm talking about them in the past. No, my parents were very much like, if you're good at something, people will know it. You don't ever need to tell anybody. You don't need to brag. People will know it. And, and they also were very humbling to me. They would, if I was really good at sports, which I was, they would be like, like, there's always somebody that can beat you. Don't get too high on yourself. There's always somebody in the world that's going to be better than you at something. So that was their way of teaching me. There's still work to do. Put your head down, work hard. And they definitely are the reason that I think I'm pretty normal. You know, I think I'm a pretty normal person. Um, 
I'm not afraid of hard work. Um, I always know that somebody's better at me. I'm not ever afraid to compete in anything. I'm because I'm not. They they also taught me how to fail, which I think was a really good lesson. Um, it wasn't the end of the world. They taught me how to pivot, how to you know recalibrate when something doesn't go your way. And I grew up in a world where things didn't go my way a lot. I wasn't spoiled. I didn't get everything that I wanted. And I try to raise my kids like that. And granted, my kids are growing up in a different life than I grew up. Um, I really tried to instill those humble, always compete, don't be afraid to lose, and don't be too high when you win values that my parents uh, gave to me. There's no doubt my parents are the reason for that. And my grandparents. Sounds like a very strong family. And yeah, I agree. They have such such an impact on you growing up and... With all your slashes, I bet they're super proud of you. So. <laughs> I hope so. I hope yeah. so. I hope I make them proud because um, I'm very proud of them and who they are. Sweet. Well, thank you so much, Amber, for your time. I really Thanks appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me. Yeah. By the way, you can go to the Peloponnesus. It's right up on my screen right now for $658 right now and get a three a three star hotel for $109. So maybe now's the time to go. That, that surprised me. <laughs> I know my cousin in Greece is like, when are you coming? When are you coming? I know. Let's go. (laughs) But thank you for having me. Um, Again, it's great what you're doing to celebrate the Greek community and Greek Americans. It's a rich culture and it's our job to pass it on and not let it die just because we're several generations from when when, when the original people immigrated here. Absolutely. And like you, I love telling stories and this has been such a joy talking to different people and hearing all their stories different, so different, but also we're just so similar. Yeah. I love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Bridget. Thank you, Amber. You can find Amber on Instagram, IMDb, and more. Just Google her and you will see all the projects and things that she is taking on. Such a force. And as always, if you know a Greek with a good story or you yourself have something you want to share, please contact me at groundedingreek at gmail.com or find me on social media under Grounded in Greek. The second season is going to be kicking off in a couple months and I would just love for you all to just send in people that you think would be interesting to interview or if you think you know you might have something to share I would love uh, for you to reach out so please do and if you enjoyed listening please rate and review I am so very thankful of those who have done it and would appreciate um, even more so thank you